Shalom Chavarim. Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast, where we help Christians make sense of their roots so they can help the Jewish people make sense of Jesus. My name is Ron, and I'm here with my son, Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hey, Shalom. Good job. You did it. <laughs> you're like a regular now. You, you know hey. what you're doing on these podcasts. Hey. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Well, we are here at the Jewish Road Podcast, and uh, one thing we talk about is always looking at the story of God in Act 1 and Act 2, but you said last time, it's like showing up to a baseball game in the seventh inning. What did you mean by that? You missed the whole thing uh, of what happened the first six innings. Right, and so you show up and you kind of, you're coming into the game late, basically. Yeah. Or like, or like one uh, woman came into the ball game and, and said, oh, we didn't miss anything. Look, no hits. Oh, that's perfect. Well, good. <laughs> well, we are trying to fill in uh, Act 1 and Act 2, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We find that the Jews uh, have stuck to that first act, the Old Testament, while the Christians uh, have, have stuck to the, the second act. Uh, and, and really just trying to bridge the gap between the two. We're here to share the whole story. Now, we uh, in the last episode, we talked about the Feast of Sukkot, or also known as the Feast of Booths, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. And it recounts the Jewish peoples wandering through the wilderness, God leading them, God being in the midst of being with them. And... Wouldn't you think that all of those nights over 40 years, don't you think at one point one of them would say, boy, I really would love to go for a great restaurant. Like just a night out once yeah, would be wonderful. Just a corned beef sandwich. Where's Katz's Deli when you need them? That's right. So we were talking about that. You said, I got a joke for this. Ah, ah. <laughs> well, if you could see your face, it just there, came to him like, oh, that's right. I have a joke. There, there was uh, in the wilderness, Moish had uh, set himself up a little a little business and there was a uh, there was a fellow traveling through the desert and he got very thirsty just so happened that uh, this fellow was an enemy of Israel oh boy yeah and he asked Moish he said do you have some water and Moish said no I don't I don't have any water I sell ties <laughs> like a necktie like a necktie okay he said I sell ties in the middle of the wilderness yeah, that's in the not middle helpful. of the wilderness. He says, you stupid person. He says, I don't need a tie. I need water. I hate you. And he says, well, I'll forgive you for hating me. But if you want water, there's a place just over that ridge. It's uh, maybe a couple of miles. If you go, they have ice cold water. So he kind of grumbles at him, gives him a look, and he starts trudging his way across the wilderness over the hill. and uh, Far, far away. Far, far away. And uh, he comes back a couple of hours later, just drenched in sweat and looks like he's dying. And uh, Moish says, did you get your water? And he says, no, I didn't get any water. They wouldn't serve me. I had to have a tie. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, We could have promised. We got to just do one podcast where we just do a bunch of jokes. We're going to bring back the cat skills. Yeah. Sometimes I think, did we just start this just so we can tell jokes? You know, we have a very serious side, but, you know, you can't have life serious all the time. Yeah. Eh, Ties only. (laughs) (laughs) Wish happened to just leave that part out. It's pretty good. Well, uh, let's talk about uh, Sukkot. We're at Feast of Booths, part two, and uh, we're venturing our way into uh, the second act here, into the New Testament shows up. But just as a quick reminder, 
in Leviticus 23, God God commands the people. This is an appointed time. And uh, Leviticus 23, 42 says, You shall live in booths for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live in booths, so that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So this is a reminder. Every year, I want you to go back into the tents. You're going to go camping, which I can't imagine most of the Jewish American princesses I know want to have no. nothing to do with that. But... <laughs> Uh, but but we have, uh, God wants to remind, he says, I'm, I'm going to take care of you in the wilderness. And he did that for 40 years. But what we also said was that this feast of booths is really about tracking and understanding the presence of God throughout scripture. Uh, and in the very, very beginning in Genesis, God was with Adam and Eve. He dwelled at peace, at shalom with them. And really at the end of the story, what all, this whole story, I mean, we're hoping, we're putting all of our money down, all of our faith down that that the story ends in the same way. And we're in that in-between time. So the, the presence of God is there with the, the Israelites throughout the wilderness, cloud by day, fire by night. Uh, he says, I want you to make a tabernacle. And then the presence of God is there in the Holy of Holies. And that moving temple uh, called the tabernacle really kind of found its place. And Solomon builds it and he prays. And once again, the glory shows up and rests and, and the temple shines brightly. You never saw anything so beautiful. But the presence did not stay there in the temple. Uh, there was a time when the glory of God uh, left the temple. It, uh, it was a time uh, referred to as Ichabod. The uh, glory has departed. And that was recorded for us in the book of Ezekiel, um, chapter 10, 11, where Ezekiel records the departing of the glory of God. And he departs in stages. Um, he, re he, he leaves in the first uh, part, goes to the threshold, and then goes to the eastern gate, and then goes across to the mountains, the Mount of Olives. So uh, the mountain that's to the east to of the, the city. To the east. Which is the Mount of Olives. Right. And, uh, and so the glory of God departed. Um, Almost reluctantly. Right, and there's this interchange between God, the God of Israel, and the cherubim and the wheels, and and it's this slow departure coming out. It didn't happen uh, just suddenly. Uh, the glory of God departed over a period of a couple of years. When He was gone, uh, now the temple was uh, left in such a uh, condition that uh, they were they were ready. Uh, for God's judgment, really. And so the question was, during that whole time, from that time of departure, the, the history would look forward, and we're looking back, but when would God come again to be with his people? And yeah. Well, we, we get a comment on it in the Gospel of John in the very first chapter, where he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, he was in the beginning with God. And then uh, says in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten, the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the glory came back and visited us, uh, this time in the form of one of us, when and, he and took that word, on flesh. That word dwelt it is literally that, that word tabernacled. He came and he tabernacled among us. Right. So once again, the very presence of God is tabernacling yeah. right there in the yeah. midst of his people in the form, the human form yeah. of Messiah Yeshua Jesus. Yeah. Uh, God brought his own uh, sukkah with him. There you go.
Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, that's what our, our bodies are, are these tents. We'll talk about that in just a bit. So we have the, the, the emerging of the presence of God. And, and John does a really unique job, and it's one of my favorite Gospels for this reason. But he's giving us uh, some pictures. And this is where having that understanding of the first act is going to enlighten us here in the second act. And so we have what shows up here in John chapter 7 is the Feast of Booths is showing up again. Um, give us a little bit of the context here in, in John chapter 7. Interestingly, there are three references that we can see. And when, you know, when God mentions something, we should listen. When he mentions it two times, then we really need to pay attention. But when he mentions it three times, you better put your antenna up. Uh, and he says in verse two of John seven, now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths was near. Then he goes on and says in verse 10, uh, he had gone up to the feast. In other words, uh, he and when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up. So that's the second time. And then verse 14. And it's kind of, it's the beginning of the feast is essentially what that's saying there in John seven ten. Yeah, beginning, the beginning of the feast. But when it was now the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple area and he began to teach. That's verse 14 right there. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's interesting that here is Jesus and you say, what is he doing keeping all of these Old Testament feasts? But that's exactly what he did. I mean, after all, he's Jewish. Right. So in the midst of this... I we have to understand uh, the context of what's happening. Uh, Josephus gives us a little bit of insight on this, but in Jerusalem at the time, and maybe even to back it up before that, in Judaism, there are three pilgrimage feasts. There is Passover, there is Shavuot or Pentecost or Feast of Weeks, and then there is Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Those are the three times where the Jewish people are supposed to ascend to the hill, go up to Mount Zion, right? And they're, they're singing these psalms of ascent. Right, go up, up to Jerusalem. Their presence is required three times a year at those times. And so it's crowded, it's busy, and this is Sukkot. And during this Feast of Booths, I want you to picture Jesus, put Jesus into this this scenario, but there was a, a special element to the celebration, and it involved living water. Uh, in Hebrew, it's Mayim Chaim, this living water. And Sukkot took place, this is really at the end of the dry season, summertime. Think about what it is right now. The rains needed to begin immediately. You wanted to have a good harvest for the next year. And so there was a, a celebration. They just brought in all the big harvest, and it was coupled with prayer because they wanted God to bring about rain. The people knew no rain meant no life. It wasn't like the stores. They could just go to the store and grab something. This was an agrarian. Agrarian, that's the right word. Agrarian. Yeah. Thank you. That was kind of hard. Uh, so they, they added a ceremony to this feast that included a prayer for rain. And they must have based it. There's a passage in Isaiah 12, verse 3. It says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells or the springs of salvation. And so we talk about this. Uh, we go through, uh, do you remember Hezekiah's tunnel? We go through yeah, this yeah. amazing underground water tunnel. And you come out and you end up at the Pool of Siloam. And we get to read a little bit about this. In fact, Pool of Siloam was only really found in the last, what, two decades? In the last 15 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. 
And it talks about this procession that would take place. It started at the Pool of Siloam, and it was fed by the Spring of Gihon. And one of the priests, he would fill a golden pitcher. It was about a quart or a little bit more. And there would be a procession that would go all the way up to the temple. It was about a mile or so, a little longer. And they arrived, and they were there right after the sacrifices were on the altar. And the priest is carrying the pitcher, and he goes in through the water gate and they blast the shofar and they approach the altar they make a circle around the altar and the crowd is singing the hallel the praise songs and the priest would climb the ramp he'd stand near the top of the altar and there were two silver funnels they were leading into the stone altar for the daily drink offerings and the crowd grew silent and the priest would solemnly pour out the water into one of the funnels. And then they began to chant again. Then they're screaming. Imagine the sound was deafening because of the thousands of pilgrims that were jammed into the temple courts. Mm. It's like a, a raucous like football stadium, right? Yeah. The, the population in Jerusalem would just explode during those times to uh, over a million people. Yeah, so they, they would they would be chanting, they would be praying, uh, and they're praying really for rain. And the living water that they used, it was, it was an acknowledgement that God brought rain, God brought life. And they were saying, Lord, save us. And that meant uh, save us by sending rain. Now, I want that, that is the context for this next passage. Give us, starting in verse 37 of John chapter 7. Yeah, in, in verse 37... Uh, now we come to the last day, and this is now on the last day, the great day of the feast. This would be the eighth day. Jesus, Yeshua, stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he said in reference to the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Can you imagine? Everybody is there, and they are praying, God, send us rain. We need rain. We want our crops to grow for the next year. And then in the midst of that, on this day, and this is a culmination. The feast is growing, and everything's getting bigger and bigger. And I don't know if it is in that moment of silence when the priest is pouring out, and they are praying. Um, and he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I will give you rivers of living water. And this is not the first time that John brings no, this up. He, yeah, he John brought that up uh, all the way back in chapter 4 when uh, he was at the well and the Samaritan woman came there to draw water and he asked her for a drink. And uh, she, she said, how is it that you, a Jew, are asking me, a woman of Samaria, for a drink? And Yeshua answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. There, there it is again. And then he says in a couple of verses later, verse 13, Yeshua says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, meaning the water from the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty. The water that I will give him will become in him, here it is again, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John does this. He has all kinds of illustrations and things he's talking about. This happens to be about water. The next thing he's going to talk about is light.
let's talk about the illumination of the temple. So okay. we just went through uh, the water ceremony, the drawing of the water. But the other thing that's taking place during this Feast of Booths moment is the illumination of the temple. Now, mm-hmm. there were four great menorahs. Uh, these Just picture these light stands. They're over 75 feet tall. They're in the women's court, uh, and they are filled with oil. Now, each one of these great stands, so somebody would climb up, and each one of them had four branches or bowls on top, and each one of those bowls held more than 10 gallons of oil. That's a lot of oil. That is a lot of oil. Can you imagine being the guy that has to climb 75 <laughs> oh feet? There's no way. I, I would drop it from a helicopter that. or something like that. Now, the, the lights, uh, and they would light these up. They would illuminate the temple, and it could be seen in every house in Jerusalem. And the tradition records that the people, upon seeing the light, they would sing these words, Our ancestors turned their backs on the temple of the Lord, but our eyes are on the Lord. And so the Feast of Sukkot was one of great celebration. There was a rabbi who once said, whoever has not seen Sukkot has not witnessed real joy. So what does this have to do with the light? Well, we we talked about and walked through John chapter 7, but what follows in John chapter 8 and 9 is still within the context of the Feast of Booths. In in John chapter 8, Jesus says something significant, and he's drawing from this this illumination of the temple. What does he say? Do you remember this? John 8, 12, I believe. He says, I am the... I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. Right. And so he's saying that in the context of this, this feast. And then he goes on to John chapter 9, and, and what's the miracle that takes place here? He heals a blind man. So all of these things just kind of follow through to uh, his theme of uh, providing living water, being a light to the world, uh, and just as a practical matter, healing a blind man, giving him sight, giving a light back into his eyes and his life. Yeah, it's pretty great. So... Uh, really, we're coming to the end of all of these holidays, and and they really become an outline for the ministry of Jesus. How so? Just give us a quick snapshot overview here. Well, the, just quickly, there are seven uh, Jewish feasts or appointed times, and all of those things became an outline for Yeshua's ministry. Uh, that is to say, he died on Passover. Uh, he was buried in the Feast of Unleavened Bread and was raised on the Feast of First Fruits. And he sent the Holy Spirit on Shavuot, on Pentecost. And we are waiting now for the next feast, which the three fall feasts are still prophetic. They've yet to be fulfilled. And that next feast would be the Feast of Trumpets. And, of course, Yom Kippur, which we just came through this past week. And the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot. And these are the... uh, the times that uh, we are looking forward to still. Now, we, we, we have uh, a, a similar departure here. Uh, something takes place, and we, we went through at the very beginning of this episode, walking through uh, the glory or the presence of God coming out of the temple, and Ezekiel records that. But there's kind of this mirrored episode that comes and takes place here in the second act. Yeah, and I think uh, what we see is as the, uh, as the glory of God departed, as uh, explained to us by Ezekiel, uh, where he left uh, 
through the Eastern Gate and up to the Mount of Olives, we kind of have a similar uh, mirroring uh, departure as Yeshua leaves that last Passover Seder and goes probably down through the Eastern Gate, I would imagine, down uh, through through that slope, through the Kidron Kidron, Valley, and up the Mount of Olives. That is the point where where he is arrested and... uh, then all of uh, the accusations and the crucifixion and all of that take place. But he also ascends. He departs. Uh, the glory of God is departing once again uh, to heaven as he goes to the Father. But he sends, uh, he sends to us the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we, being the temple of the Holy Spirit, are that, if, if you can think of it that way, that, that sukkah, that... Uh, you know, that place where, that tent where the spirit takes up residence. He raises again. He comes back, resurrects, comes back to life on the Feast of First Fruits. And then he has a ministry in, in Israel there for the next 40 days. And then he ascends. And then 10 days later, um, we have on Pentecost or Shavuot, 50 days after after the Feast of First Fruits, uh, something unique happens. And if we're actually like, and and Jesus was talking about it, I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send a helper. Uh, If we're going to ask the question, where is the presence of God today? The answer is in us, right? In us. First Corinthians three, it says that we are, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy spirit, just like the, the spirit of God, the presence and the glory of God filled Solomon's temple, filled the tabernacle. The, the picture is that we, our bodies are the temple housing the spirit of God. You know, we've done a lot of uh, tours to Israel. One of the places that we stop is the Western wall, the wailing wall. And the reason historically that this wall has become so significant for the people over the years is this was the closest place. After Rome destroyed the temple in 70 AD, it was gone. It was destroyed uh, about 700 years later. Then you have the Dome of the Rock is put up uh, during the Arab reign. And really, that that's the place where the temple once stood. The closest place they could get to where the temple once stood was that Wailing Wall. So you see people there, they go today and they pray. They try to get close to where that presence of God was. Even still today, they put prayers into the cracks of the walls. And we take people there on tours and we we tell them, uh, you get to go there and you get to pray. But one thing that we tell them is that when they are there, uh, and I remember uh, my, my good friend Aaron, she told me this one time, she said, you know, we are standing there next to Jewish people that are still searching for the presence of God. Yeah. They're trying to get as close to the Holy of Holies as possible. And they will never be closer than when they are standing next to a believer who has the Spirit mm-hmm. of God inside of them. When I'm standing next to a Jewish person, I always remind myself uh, that they are actually standing uh, near the temple of God there. And so the picture mm-hmm. for this holiday and really for the entire story is that God has always wanted to dwell with his people. If we could just get back to that Genesis 1 and 2 life of uh, Shalom where God is with his people, that that is where the story is going. So how will we know when Sukkot will be fulfilled? Let's let's take this story all the way to the end. Well, what what comes after the final judgment uh, is uh, actually heaven, but uh, the Lord will return to the earth and we will come with him and he will 
tabernacle uh, with his people. God will deliver. He'll, he'll be the living water. He will be the blessing. And Sukkot is a feast that will be fully realized when the Lord returns to this earth and, earth and tabernacles among men. That will happen, though, at the end of the tribulation period. In Zechariah 14, Zechariah tells us, then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles. Look at that. It shows up again right there in the book of Zechariah, of all yeah. things. And this is at the, uh, really at the end of the age, and uh, we're, we're looking at the Millennial Kingdom, and during that time, all of the nations will be required to come up to Jerusalem and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. The story ends in Revelation and in Revelation 21, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. Mm. The tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them and be their God. Revelation 21, verse 3. And in Revelation 22 and verse 5, it says, And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The glory of the Lord will be the light that lights up the entire universe. Well, that's it. Those are the fall feasts. We've wrapped them up. And that is it for this episode of the Jewish Road Podcast. You can find out more at our website, thejewishroad.com, or follow us at the Jewish Road on Instagram. Uh, if you go to our website, you can read blogs. We put those up every once in a while. Uh, we have some speaking events coming up you can check out. You can also donate. On our website, you can download a PDF we wrote called The Jewish Road, Five Keys to Bringing Jesus to the Jewish People. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to email us. If you have ideas for upcoming episodes, we're always thinking through and wanting to figure out what might be uh, most interesting for us to talk about, for everyone to listen to. So there's certainly more to come. Mm -hmm. Until then, Shalu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They will prosper that love thee.